This, 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 this is mythical. Ear Biscuits is supported by the farmer's dog. Dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them. And if you're Barbara, you will like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters. That, that woman is crazy, <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, so it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls. Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls makes sense. Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. Just tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized, vet-developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. The meals arrive pre-portioned and in ready-to-serve packs delivered on your schedule. Millions of meals have been ordered across the country. We've been partnering with the Farmer's Dog for a few years now and they really are as good as they say. It really has never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com ear. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, I'm Link. And I'm Brett. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we are going to be answering your questions. Lots of good questions. Um, I predict that we're gonna spend most of our time talking about marriage. Mm. We'll get into marriage <laughs> a lot. And I just wanna get into the first one. Oh, I mean, that's not even delay. that just feels so abrupt. I mean, it feel like it that made me feel anxious and uncomfortable. Oh my goodness, they're you, they're answering the question I already. I feel like you got to just ease in. Like, how are how you, are you? How are you doing? I mean, like, you don't want to know how I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, like, we're here, we're at the studio. You know, it feels good to be able to get out of the house and just come to a place where there's no one I'm related to directly. You know what I'm saying? You know, no one who's in my immediate family. They're all at another place. They're at the house that I was just at. That I was that I shall return to happily. <laughs> listen, I I listen. I hope to be upbeat, and I'm not. I'm not going into negative or complaining mode. But certainly seemed like it. The world, uh, you know. I l l let's. I don't know what to say. I really don't. <laughs> I, I mean, know. and I can tell you personally. Did, you didn't know what to say. That's why you were like, th literally. I looked, and we were thirty seconds in. You were like, "Let's get to the first question." <laughs> yeah, because like, if that's any indication of just how you feel right now, I'm overwhelmed, man. I mean, it, do you want to talk about how we feel? I mean, the last thing I want is to start complaining about something associated with my life at this point. Oh, so yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm not asking you for to. longer than a few seconds. <laughs> I'm just, you know, everything that's happening in the world and everything that it, between what my, my personal life and what's happening publicly. I mean, there's just a lot going all, on. Listen, it's like, all you have to do here's all you have to do. It's so overwhelming. It, it, all you have to do when somebody looks at you and says, "What's wrong?" You just say, "2020." That's the it, everybody gets it, man. Just say 2020. But I don't even wanna say, I just, it's not that everything's wrong. There's a lot that's right that's happening. It's that's just, over, it's positive and overwhelming. Yeah. And it's constant and it should be. You know, I'm, I'm right. not, again, I'm not complaining that, um, that every morning there's something, there's a new detail to grapple with in the news and right. figure out how 
I personally am gonna respond to that. And then if we start to talk about how we, how we as, a, as companies or as leaders of a company are gonna respond, again, I am not complaining. I am just acknowledging the fact that it is, a, it is so complicated and overwhelming and necessary and it, you know, I'm not, I'm not wishing for these issues to go away. I'm wishing for coronavirus to go away. Well, yeah, that's, you know, that, that's kind of what I was getting at when the, I was talking about getting out of the house. I was like, I think that there's this, the thing that we've been talking about is, boy, it, you know, it would be one thing for humanity to be, to like humanity addressing one major issue is it's difficult enough for humanity to do that. When, right. you, when you throw multiple issues at humanity, yeah. which is what 2020 has decided to do. So, uh, so let's really dig in on systemic racism in America and yeah. you know, yes, that's the right thing to do and it's and I'm not trying I'm not trying to escape from that constantly. I you know, I'm trying to find ways and we are constantly talking about ways that we can um that we can properly be engaged. You just made it sound like that's what we were about to dig into. Just to clarify, we're, that's not what we're going to do. We're, we're, no, it was. We're going to be answering your questions. But it's but, but it's this. But no matter what you put out, there's an elephant in the room that is that matters more than other things that matters the most right now. Black lives matter more than what we're going to talk about on the show right. today. Right. Um. Even even to the point where making a decision. Uh, to talk about anything that's like lighthearted or funny. It feels weird. It just feels weird. It feels right. weird. I mean, it's like everybody's got stuff they're going through personally too and everybody's got their, you know, their own shit they're dealing with and then, it, yeah, you're right. 2020 is, is, is a doozy but I just don't, I don't, I don't wanna, I don't wanna come across as complaining about it because it's, it's such an important movement and now is the time. And we we all need to to make sure we're taking care of ourselves and we're having this we're having space. Well, I think there's but, but when we come to these microphones and then it's just like it, it's tough to know, especially when it's like, do you feel like everything can be scrutinized or, or criticized when you say something into a microphone? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well I think that's so the bit that's the temptation. The temptation um Especially for for white people who have the privilege to just check out of the conversation if they want to, if they conclude that they don't have, there's nothing personal at stake, um, they can be like, "I'm just, can we just move on? Can we just talk about something else?" And I think your point is, is like, no, we're not moving on, and we're not, mm -mm. we're not moving on until real change has has, has taken place. Uh, you know that's why my my wreck again today, which when we get to it, will be directly related to this stuff. Uh, and if you feel that as a white person, you feel that fatigue setting in, that like, oh, do I? Oh, I gotta, I gotta think about this. And I, I was just trying to figure out how to argue with my uncle about coronavirus, and now I gotta argue with him about the. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, for better or for worse. Uh, yeah, and I do think for better, as what you were getting at, it's like you got we got to keep talking about it because it's just not something where there was this movement and everybody got excited and put stuff on 
uh, Instagram, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we good now? No, no, we're not good. That's the point. Yeah, we're not good. It isn't good. Uh, but how do we transition to having this ear biscuit be about something else for a second? And I don't, you know, I just say I don't want to defend that decision. I just want to have a conversation. You know, we're yeah. having. You know, well, I think the question itself will demonstrate the awkwardness of the transition. So, without further ado, why don't you just ask the first question? <laughs> See, we could have we could already been halfway through this, but I th I, th I think I think that was glad. good. That I'm was glad. Good. I'm glad. I'm I'm glad that we didn't. Now ask this question. Uh, Praise Sharp. By the way, shout out to Praise Sharp. She was the solver of the of the riddles that in, in the mythical society that led to uh, uncovering the fact that we were doing a live broadcast of a screening of me watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off for the first time ever. Yeah. Uh, and all the clues were wrapped up in that stereoscopic viewer which featured movies from the 80s I'd never seen. But wasn't there like a... a, a there were a number of steps and she... And but, we, hold on, but there was one still frame the, on GMM, right? Yeah, there, there, was a, there was a clue on GMM that tied back to the stereoscopic viewer and there were a number of layers and we, we could watch it happen in the Discord when it was being solved. That's the kind of stuff that's happening in the mythical society. Uh, way Cl to go, Chris. You figured it out. Solving mysteries. Um, your question, how old were you when you had your first celebrity crush? Who was it? Hashtag ear biscuits. Um, I didn't have like an immediate answer to this. I really had to think about it. The first person I thought about was uh, was Daisy Duke from uh, the Dukes of Hazard. Okay, well. But I mean she's a controversial choice. Yeah, I, well, I'm just as a kid I watched that show and she wore what became to be known as Daisy Dukes. Right. Um but all I remember feeling was just weird and tingly. And I didn't really understand or want to come to grips with anything that was happening. And that was not a pun. <laughs> come uh, to grips with how, what was happening. How old are you talking about? Uh I mean that's pretty young, right? I don't know what years, but I, I think my first real crush that I remember is um, Vicky, the robot f featured in the television show Small Wonder. The girl who played the lead. Yeah, the, the robot. The robot. Did you watch the show, right? I mean, it started in 1985. Yeah. I went to like 1989. I didn't watch it religiously. Um, oh, I, I watched it as a religion. <laughs> I worshipped her as a celebrity crush because she was a robot. No, I, I don't know. I just I was like, oh, she's she's cute and she's she's kind of robotic. It's kind of it's kind of cool. I remember being embarrassed that someone would find out that I that I had a crush on a robot girl. Um, and it was I'm trying to. But I, I read a little bit about the story that she was an actor. Well, yeah, I knew it was an actress, but like. So it wouldn't have been weird to have a crush I, on the actor who was playing her. I had a crush on the robot. I had a crush on the character. I liked how she acted like. You wanted a robot girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Which that is not a good thing. No. No, it's no, not. No, I'm not saying, if you, if, you if, if you have a robot girlfriend or if you've got one of those real dolls, I'm not saying that that's wrong. But, I'm, but what I'm getting at is if you wanted a woman that you could program and control, then that that's a, that, that's a 
in, in place of a, a of an actual woman, that could get problematic. That could that could reveal some some bad tendencies about yourself. Which was the point of that robot girlfriend song. Yeah. It was a guy who wanted to turn I her just, on listen, and turn her off when he wanted to. I just right. I just thought she was cute, man. <laughs> I thought it was cute how There's she, definitely more going on than that though, now that you've talked about it. Okay, there's something in there. Her so her dad was like a a technological advanced electronics guy. Like he, he made her and then he made her as a robot and then didn't tell anybody. So as a family, you know, they had a they had a a flesh and blood son. They had Vicky, the robotic daughter. Her name was Vicky, huh? I couldn't have told it you. It stood that. for something. V I C C I. Virtual? No. Very Vent ingenuitive, Vent cute. Ventriloquist. Um but they kept it a secret that she wasn't that she wasn't a human. Yeah, hence the the whole point of the show, right? Yeah, there's a lot of tension there. Yeah. Um I don't remember the first crushes that I remember were just uh, girls that I went to school with, like mm -hmm. you know. And I and I remember I remember like being in first grade and having crushes on girls. You you picked tall girls, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I'm, then you st when you started dating, you started dating short girls. Right. Yeah. Uh, you never dated a tall girl. Well, you there was that one girl in college that was kind of tall. That you wanted to date? Yeah, but she didn't date me. No, she didn't want to date you. <laughs> I didn't mean to bring it up, but did she tell you? I don't no, want to. No, I you? never told her that I wanted to date her. I thought you wrote her a letter or something. I thought you. I thought you made a play. I like you. Check yes or no. Well, I definitely would not have done that specifically. Um, no, I, it never became a thing. It never became a thing. Well, she was. She was as close as you got to dating a tall girl. Right, but I mean, I'm in first grade having a crush on Lisa who was in second grade who was, boy was she, I mean, she was so tall. Um, and I, I just think that was coincidence. Really, she was, she was the only tall girl that I had a crush on growing up. I mean, name another. Well, I mean, the, the girl, I'm trying not to name names anymore because of, well, yeah. you have a tendency to the, name first and last names. You don't have to name. The girl who you ha would always have dreams about flying to her house. And she wasn't tall. She was tall. No, she wasn't. She was taller. She wasn't short. Five four, maybe. Wow. A as an adult. No, she's taller than that. Five five max. Oh, 100% sure I remember her being this. tall. Five four. Maybe yeah. I just watched her in your dreams. Your memory is flawed. Um, but what I'm saying celebrity is that crush, celebrity though. crushes I remember, and I had to look her name up because I, as soon as I, I read this question, celebrity crush, there was um, a model that I remember really, really liking in the eighties mm -hmm. as I was sort of becoming, you know, myself, <laughs> um, you know, and because I guess in nineteen eighty-seven, you know, I'm ten years old. And like I said, I was already liking girls before that. But the closer and closer I got to like 12, the, the stronger and stronger these urges got. Um, Christy Turlington. She's still around. Well, yeah, she's not dead. Yeah, is that what you mean? I think she might still model. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure she does in some capacity. I, I, I remember Christy Turlington. But, but she's like one of those classic supermodels of the 80s that like alongside Cindy Crawford, et cetera. Yeah. You know, 
but I just remember seeing her as a as a as a boy and just thinking, "Wow, <laughs> she's very pretty." I mean, I thought those things too, but I would it didn't transfer into a crush because I would never I could never date a a supermodel. Well, I would go like I, I would I, stop I feel at like the magazine that was a section. Disconnect. I would stop at the magazine section at the grocery store, and because she, she was on a bunch of covers, right? I would go to that section where there was beautiful women on the covers of magazines, and I'm not talking about the porn section uh, because that's not in the grocery store. <laughs> I'm not talking about like jugs. I'm, <laughs> I'm talking about like Vogue. Yeah, you know, there'd be the we already knew that beautiful woman on the, <laughs> the cover, and I would just. Would just you, stare. You you wouldn't pull the magazine down and thumb through it. Well, because I think it's important to understand that you know, and this is the case in most places, but like, you could you didn't walk around Bowie's Creek and find a woman that looked like that. Like that does what you know. We, we didn't. We weren't in Los Angeles or whatever. You know, it's like this was like it was this something that you're like, does this really exist? And of course, now we know. Technically, no, it doesn't exist because right. it's been manipulated. This lighting is perfect. She's got on this makeup in exactly the right way. I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out. And I think I know the answer. What's more problematic, you being enamored by this this uh, airbrushed woman, or me being enamored by a robotic girl? Well, I think what I, well, I think what I'm discovering right now is that, and I think it's one of the reasons that, and I wasn't. This is not the point that I was trying to make, and I'm not trying to make a woke point. That's not my intention, but. I do think it's interesting that just as this young boy walking through the grocery store while your mom's picking picking out Vienna sausages, mm-hmm. um, you're sitting there with your little Vienna sausage in the in the <laughs> in the, in the <laughs> magazine section, um, staring at these manufactured beautiful women like Christy Turlington. And just thinking that this is—I I remember thinking things like, "This is why I exist." <laughs> it's like I—I wow. I, I just remember thinking that, like, this is what I'm here for. Yeah, to find that, and uh, it's a—that uh, is not a good. That is just not a good thing to be thinking, right? To think that this some manipulated. Sorry, I couldn't hear what you said. Why is your watch talking? Your watch is trying to give you some advice here. <sighs> Wow, why would Siri be asking me if I was asking her? I said something that sounds like Siri, but now I'm going to put her to sleep. Sorry, this is like putting Vicky to sleep. <laughs> they did that. You know, I just said, Vicky, do not disturb me. And so she will never interrupt us again until I turn it back on. I don't know what my point was. My point was is that it probably wasn't a healthy thing, but I specifically remember when I saw her on TV because she was in a bunch of commercials, she was in a bunch of ads. I mean, and I didn't know her name. I again, I had to look her name up, and I didn't know her name at the time. Mm-hmm. It's like that that girl, yeah. That's what I'm about. <laughs> yeah, you 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 were. Um, I wouldn't call it an obsession, but I mean, we interacted with the female um, form different differently. Expand, please. I'm just saying, I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't, I didn't gawk at the at the magazines. Like I, I would, I was too embarrassed to do that. I was embarrassed that I that I liked Vicky. Like, like I would, you like, you weren't no one. In no, other I words, want anyone to know, and not to get graphic. I'm just being honest here. In other words, 
when you as a young boy looked at Vicky, you didn't think, boy, I wonder what th- that robot looks like under her clothes, right? And that, and I'm being honest with you. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that I was thinking. When I saw the ad, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. what else is there? That's just, uh, that's, that's how I'm wired. Yeah. It's interesting that I had shame in just having a crush on Vicky. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have wanted anyone to know and I would have denied it. I don't think, I, I mean, I didn't talk, I didn't tell you uh, the girls that I had a crush on, not until like probably middle school. At that point, I was, Pretty open about it. The girls that, like in school, that I had a crush on, like I didn't want anyone to know that. And I remember when, including them. Yeah, and even in uh, like middle school, when people started pairing up and like, oh, she's my girlfriend, we're going together. Like I was really nervous that if I, when I got a girlfriend, I like my family was going to find out. It's such a weird thing. I remember just being so nervous that they would be like, oh, do you, you've got a girlfriend, what's her name? You, you weren't scared of them finding out, you were scared of having to talk about it. It was like revealing a part of myself and it's like they, it's like I felt like they would know something about me that I didn't want them to know. That I had a girlfriend, that I liked a girl, that I wanted to hold a girl's hand or I kiss mean, a I girl. Didn't, I didn't it wanna was, talk to my parents, about, I, you know, but I was embarrassed that they would know. It's well, like, do you have I, a girlfriend? Well, I I think that that is normal. I think that the idea. Let's say every every time I want to talk to either one of my boys about girls, mm-hmm. immediate embarrassment, right? Yeah. So I think that that's yeah totally normal. It, I don't. It would be. I think it would be a little bit odd if they weren't somewhat embarrassed about it, right? I remember. I remember being at a baseball game. And it was when I was dating Amber, and we were watching the baseball game. You were one of the players, <laughs> and your mom was there. And I remember you were one of the players. I remember you say that like it's some accomplishment. Holding, they, they cut no one from the team. Yeah, uh, I didn't apply for the team. <laughs> yeah. I didn't care for it. Yeah, because you misunderstood. It wasn't an application. It was just showing up. You're like, where's the application? I can't be on this. I learned enough about baseball to know that. I needed to be in the stands holding hands with my girlfriend. I, I'm sure Amber held my hand. I didn't hold her hand. You talking about middle school baseball? Yeah, when I dated Amber. Okay. And your mom, seventh was, grade. Your mom was sitting there in the bleachers, and I'm sitting there, and Amber's holding my hand, and I just felt so embarrassed that your mom was going to see me holding hands with my girlfriend. I get that. Yeah, I guess that's normal. I, I, I don't. I think that. And I know that sometimes you feel like you you need to check how <laughs> how weird I how was. weird you were yeah. because you have said some things that are like okay yeah that's different but I never that's unusual I never looked but at, that's not I never looked at girls on a magazine cover and thought man I just want to keep thinking about her I just felt like that's a woman yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know that's, I'm a boy that's yeah, a woman that's, that's right like, that's what I was thinking that that is a woman <laughs> that's what I, that's what I was thinking. Uh, I was like, why doesn't she live I'm in Boots Creek? I'm just gonna stay away from the hole that you're digging for yourself. I don't, I mean, what I just, I, all I've done is been, be, I've been honest about yeah. the fact that as far back as I can remember, when I saw a beautiful woman, I was very attracted to them. You know what might, might make this better? <laughs> uh, asking another question, which we'll answer after the break. Um, Beep Boop 2488 says, let's talk marriage. Okay. 
So th- will this will this smooth things over if we talk about our our longstanding love affair with our wives? My wife is is not threatened by the things that I thought as a eight year old in the grocery store. I didn't know her at the time. I'm not talking about our wives listening. I'm talking about oh. everyone else listening. Okay. How like our interactions with females can be appropriate and uh, mutually edifying. Yeah, and it not be based on some farce or your own needs or mine of a robot. Just to clarify though, we've talked about a woman on a television show and a woman in a magazine. I'm very those, skittish. Those are not when interactions. About, I know. Right? When you talk about women in a magazine, now, uh, you know, and like it, self-image and f- the female form and stuff like that, you know, I'm starting to get nervous. <laughs> I understand. Let's talk marriage. I've been with my husband since I was 19. Now she doesn't say how old she is, she could be 20. But let's assume it's longer than that. Let's talk about how crazy it is to grow up together, become adults together, become parents together, keep the spark alive, and not kill each other in the process. Hmm. Yes, let's that talk is, about that. That is the that. goal. Ear Biscuits is supported by Live Nation. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, yeah. Alanis Morissette, okay. Cage the Elephant. Why not? Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma? Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Okay, again, the question is talking about growing up together when you got married Young, I mean, at 19, right? Mm -hmm, Yeah. So my wife had just turned, I don't wanna get this wrong. I think she just turned 20. She she, she had turned 20. Don't look at me. She had turned 20 in December 1999, and then we got married in June 2001. I was like 20, I guess I was 23 at the time. well, I was 21. I turned 22 on our on our honeymoon. Yeah, cuz I'm and you like got married half a year older than you and got married a year after you. So there's like a eight. yeah. Um the th- we you know, we just we and we've been Chris and I've been married 20 years. Right. And you've been married 19. 19 years. I've been married as long as this woman lived before she got married. And I think maybe she has too. Cuz that's kind of wrapped up in her question. She's been through a lot. Um, well, this made me think about, we did talk about this a little bit in the in the Lost Years podcast, th- just the idea of uh, growing up together and you know, the thing about getting married young is you haven't become, you, you haven't become the adult that you're going to be, right? And there's still, mm-hmm. at 19, at 20, at early 20s, there's still a lot of change. I mean, there's gonna there's a lot of change at any point in your life, but especially at that time, like you haven't lived alone, like you haven't you haven't been an adult with responsibilities, and all of a sudden you're two adults with responsibilities, figuring life out together. Um, a lot of people who get married at that age get divorced because once they kind of figure out who they are, who they are, they're like, oh, this is not going to work. Um, but a lot of people, if you're, you know, 
if you're blessed as as we have been to kind of be able to grow up together and as you learn and as you grow it enhances the connection um which is i think w- w- what has happened but the the thing that this made me think of is something that Jesse and I have started doing which is i don't remember why we started i know that she had been watching the first season or the last season i don't know how many seasons there have been of this Married at First Sight. This I have not heard of this. Um, is this I don't a know reality if it's, competition I, show? It's not a competition. I don't know if it's a Netflix original or if it's just on Netflix now. We, okay. watch it, we watch it on Netflix. And we just started whatever the latest season, season two, I don't know. So at first I was just like, me and her like to watch trash, we like to watch trashy reality TV together and laugh at it. Mm-hmm. Like we watch The Bachelor together. We We even watched that Bachelor the one where they did was basically music. It was American Idol meets, meets Bachelor and they put the couples together and they had to sing together. Oh gosh. And then had people come and judge it. And it's that just like, horrible. it was a cringe fest, but we we like to watch things that are bad because it entertains us. Mm-hmm. Makes you feel better about not being that cringy. Not being on that show, yeah. Uh, but this show, which I just assumed was gonna be another one of these shows, the premise of the show is they go to a city so this season, they're in Charlotte, North Carolina, and all these single people apply, and all these single people are like, I wanna get married, I'm ready to get married. And there's a team of experts who are the hosts of the show. Oh. And they go through all these people, interview them, I don't know all the process. They narrow it down to these f- four Couples that they have out of uh, so they paired people together, and is this over the course of the season or is this no, at, at episode episode one? one is the selection of the four couples? Okay, now let me explain to you. This is how it works, and this is episode two. Episode what, two what, is this called Naked and Afraid? Because that's how I would describe my honeymoon. No, but that yeah, <laughs> just kidding. That's um, you can watch that after. Um, episode two is the wedding of, of the four couples. And this is, on their wedding day, is the first time they've ever seen each other. Oh my gosh. Never, it, like when the bride walks down the aisle, that is the first time that the, the groom is seeing her. It just doesn't, I mean my knee jerk reaction is that doesn't sound like they have a, a very high opinion of marriage. It's just like yeah, let's, let's give this a shot. That is what I thought going in. And that may still be true, but let me just—it's—it's it's, just like, oh, this will be fun. We can always just get divorced. Now, That's a great way to start a marriage. Now, hold on. Now, d- before you judge it, you're judging it hard right now. I'm judging. It, I'm saying this is the assumptions that I'm bringing to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what makes it so entertaining. Now, the way that the show works is, and this is—if you have a certain view of marriage, you would think that this is wrong, and maybe you fall into this category. And I would probably have fallen into this category before I started watching it. I think differently about it now. This show has changed what you think about marriage. Uh, Yeah, and I'm gonna explain that. So the way that it works is they're married for eight weeks and at the end of eight weeks, you decide if you're gonna stay married or get divorced. That's the season of television, right? And so I don't know what episode we're on right now, but like the second episode and the third episode. Cameras are following them. Honeymoon, like we just, last night we watched the beginning of the honeymoon, like and so there's these questions like, are we gonna have sex on the first night? We literally met this afternoon at our wedding. Are we gonna have sex? And then uh, I don't want to. I'm not gonna spoil anything. But there's like, who's gonna have sex? Who's not gonna have sex? And it sounds like I'm talking about a trashy show, right? 
I would be so afraid to forget my wife's name. Oh, that's that's one of the that that's what happens when they walk down the aisle. They introduce themselves. It's like I'm Natalie. <laughs> it's like it, it's like oh, it still sounded oh, oh, pretty gross. You, you know man. When, you know when they find out their last name. And again, there's some. It's at least this at this season where they're in Charlotte. It's it's very traditional. It's like four couples, heterosexual couples, men and women, mm-hmm. and then all the women are taking the husband's last name. So the way that they're like, we now introduce to you, Mister and Mrs. Johnson, and the woman's like Johnson. Like she's like responding. It's great television. Let me just say, it's great television because of that. Because you put yourself in this, and you're like, what would it be like? Okay, now. I just thought this was gonna be trashy reality TV that I was just gonna be laughing at the whole time. The reason my li- my wife likes to watch it with me is I weep when I watch the show. What, <laughs> what are you talking about? And I don't mean what like, do you weep? I don't mean like, I, she'll look over at me and like I've my, I've got like tears in my eyes, okay. like multiple times while watching this show. You got, like it, you got tears in your eyes. Well, now? I got tears because I'm laughing right now, but I got tears in my eyes. Yeah, I was making you cry. So I don't know, but I've been trying to figure out what's going on. And Jesse, we've been talking about this, and and there's I think there's a number of things. First thing is is like what's going on in your heart. Yeah, well, like why am I responding to the show in this way? And so one one thing is is (laughs) that it has hit me that these marriages, which are arranged by someone else, yeah, are very similar to my marriage. And let me explain what I mean by that. Ear Biscuits is supported by DoorDash. I'm keeping less alcoholic beverages in my house um, lately. I'm kind of on that swing of the pendulum. Okay. But I will say, there's times when when you wanna crack open an adult beverage. Yes, it happens. Sometimes amongst friends, sometimes alone. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't I, wanna get into the details. I recommend with friends. If you're looking to celebrate with some special drinks, here's to alcohol deliveries with DoorDash. Whether you're hosting, sending a congratulatory gift, or just staying in to chill with a cold one, DoorDash is an easy call. The alcohol selection on DoorDash is top shelf. With thousands of stores all over the country, you're sure to find what you're looking for and more. They have it all, beer, wine, mixers, and for those that don't drink, mocktails and more can be delivered straight to your door. Save up to 25% off up to a $15 value when you spend $35 or more with code EAR. So whether you're grabbing drinks for an event or staying in for the night, DoorDash is here to help you have a great evening, any evening. Terms apply, must be 21 or older to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. When you're young, you don't know what the hell you want. I mean, you don't know what the hell you want when you're old either, but especially when you're young and you're figuring out who you are, think about how differently I think about literally everything than I did when I was 23, yeah. right? 20 years have gone by, I changed in many different ways, ways that we've talked about on the show. Still married to the same woman, who has also changed in similar and different ways. Yeah. And there's this idea that, oh, well, you gotta be exactly sure about this person. You gotta know everything that there is to know about them. You, you should probably live with them before you get married because you need to know what kind of habits they have. This show calls that into question, right? And, and calls into question that it's really about someone who is, the individuals that make up the marriage are ready for the commitment that marriage is, right? Yeah. They, are, they, are, they are prepared to be like, 
I know you're not perfect. I mean, first of all, a lot of I, one of the things we've been talking about is the process of having experts select your spouse for you is probably at least as reliable as the process of you selecting your spouse for yourself. Let me just say that, that's a, that's a premise, that's a working theory that I have. Yeah. And, and I'm not talking about we should go back to arranged marriages, I'm just saying that if you wanted to submit yourself to this process, you like to think that no, 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 I would be better at making this decision because I'm rational, I wanna make sure I'm in love with somebody, whatever your reasons would be, I submit that that initial spark that makes you fall in love with, with somebody, while it is important, it isn't the thing that, and we talked about this before, but it isn't the thing that maintains a 20 year marriage. Yeah, that, so yeah, let's talk more about the commitment component, but I do think that when I was you know, trying to figure out if I was gonna propose to Christy if we were meant to be together, um, you know, I was doing lots of math. I was doing lots of analysis. Right. And yeah. even even when we got engaged, like we went we went through uh, premarital counseling, which I highly recommend because it can raise flags that could lead to like, you know what? Let's turn back now. You know, let let's make an as an informed decision as we can about the commitment we want to make. I feel like some of what these experts mm, that you're describing did. We tried to, Christian and I tried to do in our premarital counseling, like we went through this book and it was like, it was a workbook. Maybe you went through the same workbook, can't remember what it was called. Um, it was like a Tom Nelson. It No, but it was in an, oh, you mean like a Tom Nelson evangelical publisher? Yeah, it was like preparing I, preparing for marriage or something like that. Yeah, I think it, it was a, it, it was from a Christian worldview, yeah. But it was very practical, like it, you know, it forced, it it guided us to talk about things like sex, yeah, like our expectations for sex, um, but then smaller things like uh, habits, like things that matter to you, small things that are a big deal to you, yeah. things that you know that um, can be annoyances, like how you deal with money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know all of, and then putting a plan in place points of con that could be points of conflict. points of conflict. You put a plan in place. It's like okay, we can. We hear each other and we agree and we're 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 planning our future but we're also analyzing like there is a chance and it felt very slim that our counselor who was walking us through this would be like uh you know what you're not right for pull each the other. plug pull yeah. the plug you're not right for each other I'm sure some counselors do that ones who are really bold um I it's I I, I still think it seems like a really great idea like I would this television show? Not the television show. Because <laughs> no. it is great. It is a great idea for Pre a television pre show. Premarital certification. I won't even say counseling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some sort of certif third party certification. I, I, I mean, as my kids get older and they're like, as they start finding partners, I'll be like, can you agree to a third party certification? I'm, I'm making this up right now because I don't Maybe like to think about it. Maybe they should just go on this television show. Okay, yeah, they could just go on there. But okay, I, I I agree. I get what you're saying. I agree with all of it. I'm, I think, I'm interested in the commitment component, but like, tell well, me what you're learning. Well, just to finish your to to add to your thought, um, to finish your thought, <laughs> finish my thought, <laughs> to add to your thought, finish him. Um, I think that, and again, I don't. Uh, these experts, how qualified are they? I don't know. They got PhDs and shit. Uh, but how, uh. 
does that certification process that they are putting these people through compare to the sort of the very small focus group of the two of you and a counselor, how does it compare? And I'm saying that my suspicion early on, now first of all, one of the things is like who's gonna stay together? Like right, that's one of the fun things about watching it. And Jesse and I were like, oh, this couple, I think they're gonna be okay. Like we say things like, I think they're gonna be okay. Then mm-hmm. th- this couple, it's like, ooh, like he's, he's really organized and she's not, right? And so you would be like, well, why did they put them together? And you know, sometimes it, it's a huge problem and sometimes it's not. It, it really depends. And maybe the, the and, reason why they put them there is because the producers well, overrode no, and that's the, the thing, experts. That's the thing that I talked to Jesse about. I was like, it's like this is gonna what be good. do you think? Don't you agree that? Because I get into the production side of it. I was like, don't you think that they made the people on this television show sign something that said that they understood that one of the criteria for them uh, casting, ca- well, yeah. them coming together, Couple's putting people casting. together, is an entertainment quality. Right, sure it's in the fine print somewhere. Yes, you will be matched according to your compatibility, but you will also be matched according to entertainment value. So, and they probably didn't say that, they probably just said with the prerogative of the, the executive producer, producers. Right. So it's probably covered, I'm sure they've got that covered, Netflix or whoever makes the show. Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else. So finding the perfect place is easier than ever and so is finally moving in together, just the two of you. It's a big step. Lots of new responsibilities, lots of adjustments. Most likely, they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom. And you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They may even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together. But you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them, because they're family. And that's why Apartments.com has more pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. Did you know that's what we were talking about? Pets so that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together. Apartments.com, the place to find a pet-friendly place. Now, all that being said, I think the reason that I get teary-eyed, and first of all, it, there's like one couple that I don't, there's, they elicit nothing. I have no sympathy for them. I don't really like either of them. That's what they, should, they sound like they're meant for each other. And I think they also, I think they have the smallest chance of staying together. But these other three couples, it's like, when like the bride walked down the aisle and like the husband saw her, it was like, I find myself in this, I do this at weddings in general, I get kind of teary-eyed at weddings. Um, but I found myself, the first time it happened, I was like, what the hell is happening to me right now? Why am I responding in this way? And I think that it has a lot to do with thinking about those moments in my marriage in the way that like Jesse and I did not know what we were doing. Yeah. Like the same sort of like deer in headlights, what have I gotten myself into, am I ready for this, that is so sensationalized and exaggerated in this show is something that I felt about that whole period of my life of, you know, we got we got married when we got married because of the culture that we were in. We got, you know, one of the reasons we got married when we got married is because at the time we were abiding by a worldview that said that premarital sex wasn't part of God's plan, right? It's like you wanna have sex, you got to be in a committed marriage, specifically, not just a relationship, but a marriage. And that had a that had a deep impact on our decision-making uh, abilities. <laughs> exactly, now, now again, I, I'm saying all this because you may look at this show like you did and like I did before I watched it and said this is ridiculous, 
Why would anybody make a decision to get married based on some experts on a television show? And then you start thinking about the reasons that you get married. And I, and I say none of this to say that, I mean, I was madly in love with my wife, still am, was drawn to her, we were compatible, we, you, we couldn't stay away from each other, we couldn't imagine not having a life together. All those things were in place, but so much of that was just inf influenced by the nature of who we were at the time and these these cultural pressures and expectations in our worldview, right? And it, but that got us into it, right? But none of that stuff, it doesn't. None of that stuff keeps you in it. That stuff can that that kind of throws you over the threshold, but it doesn't keep you in the room. But yeah, but they're married. They got married at in episode one, and by episode eight, they're deciding if they're going to stay together. But really, that means is like. We're gonna pretend to be married for eight weeks. No, legally binding. Well, I know, but but they they've kind of thrown it out the window. They're like, we're let's let's play marriage, let's be married in an experiment for television for eight weeks, and then we'll decide if we really want to be married. But to tie it in with our story, one of the girls on the show, one of the women, she's twenty seven years old, is a virgin who has saved herself for marriage. Okay. So that feels like there's more at stake because she's gonna she's gonna give up her virginity, which is very important to her, according to her worldview, mm -hmm. and then not stay with this guy because after eight weeks it seems like maybe it's not it's gonna be a little bit difficult. Well, I, I think, think the I fact think that, that she, is the question. If she the fact that she said okay, again, I'm not making a statement. Uh, I'm not promoting the purity culture thing, I'm just saying that the fact that she has saved herself for marriage increases the chances that their marriage will go beyond the eight weeks because but she's you given up me, more. Did she continue to, did she Did she wait to have sex until, has she waited so far? They have not consummated yet. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And at that the supports. Time, at, the, at the point that I'm in. That supports my, my assertion that. They will though. You think they're gonna hold out, she's gonna hold out for eight weeks? I guarantee you she's gonna do it. She's already basically said that she's going to do it. Oh yeah? Yeah. Because they are, because once she once she realizes that she wants to have sex with him, she's already married to him. <laughs> and, and according to her worldview. No, not typically how it happens. She, she's, she got the okay as soon as she got married to him. Yeah. But she's probably, if she subscribes to that worldview, I think she's, she's probably also subscribes to the worldview that she can't get divorced unless there's infidelity. So unless he cheats on her in the next eight weeks on this television show, which is probably not gonna happen because there's cameras on him the whole time, she's gonna be married to this guy for a long time. And I'm not, and a lot of times that, that doesn't work out well. I'm just saying, I, I'm not judging it good or bad. Uh, I'm just saying that that decision makes it more likely for her to stick around in the marriage room for longer. All right, but how many Regardless of these, how of many the of these contestants <laughs> don't you don't say contestants, man. Are acting couples, married couples. What what are they saying about commitment? Things that make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> really? So so they're like we're no. they're they're sincere they're they're not like just tiptoeing around like, hey, this is an experiment. They're not acting no. the way that I'm saying. No, They're no. acting like th our lives depend on this relationship. It, the reason that I lasting. like it is because the people on the show, the reason I feel about it differently, like when I watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or The Bachelor in Paradise, which is the trashiest trash, 
I've never watched any of these. Me and Jesse even watched that. Uh, I'm watching Small Wonder reruns. We watched that Too Hot to Handle that I tweeted about, which was, I mean, the whole point of the show was to be trash. Um, when we watch those shows, we just, I just judge the, the people, the contestants constantly and I'm just like, how stupid do you have to be to go on this show and like these people don't understand anything about life. These people on Married at First Sight, like it's a different, it's a different kind of person. Like they are taking it very seriously. It isn't like, I'll, in other words, when you watch The Bachelor, you're like, how many of these women watch The Bachelor? How many of these men are on this show for clout so they can be, yeah. so they can become reality TV stars? That you don't get that vibe at all from these. It's like, I did this because I want to be married because I see myself as a married person, and I haven't had any luck in that in my own life, trying it my way. So now, why don't I let these experts do it for me? And they. It's not that I don't believe in. I mean, I don't know what I think about arranged marriages, but I think that I, I do think I have this belief, which I haven't thought about or like asserted, I'm just gonna vomit this out and see if I can make sense of it, like everything else I say. I've I've been like, you know what, I, I, I believe that arranged marriages could work just as well as unarranged marriages. Now I'm not, I don't want to get into like, who's arranging it. Like I'm not, I'm not weighing in on that. But like, if you put two people together, if you submit to a process and you're, you're on board for that and it's, and it's um, it's by your volition. I yeah, think I'll, both both I, people are equally committed because a lot of times yeah, both people arrange marriage and marriage in general can be kind of tied into this patriarchal thinking. But so if, we're, if, we're talking about in the perfect world, like, yes, both we want to be yeah. we want to be married. I mean, just like in that show, I I have thought in general it it could probably work. I think it's part of my I guess my experience kind of imp impacts my opinion in that. Like Christian and I were talking the other day about this, this a couple, and I know I know nothing about her. She was like so and so has has announced they're getting a divorce. They're like a very, it's like a the they're a motivational speaking couple that they talk about relational dynamics. And after like almost twenty years of marriage, they've decided to just be friends. And I'm like, listen, I don't know anything about this. But if you break up, if you divorce after that long and you just wanna be friends, it's like when you add the detail that they have a public persona of, of giving marriage advice and then that makes sense that, there might, I'm just saying there's an ulterior motive to, to maintain a friendship to prove that like my voice is still valid when it comes to relationships. But that's a hard thing to believe that like You've been married twenty years, and you you just get divorced, and you we're still best friends, and raising our kids together. It's like that's freaking complicated. I'm just suspicious, but I know nothing besides <laughs> what I just said. I know nothing except the thing my wife said to me offhand, and I've come to a firm conclusion about it. <laughs> but I told Christy, tacked onto that conversation, I was like, we've been through so much together, and. I can understand being married for 20 years and I mean, we've changed so much that we could have changed in ways that were so different and divergent that I we would get a divorce. Like, But I'm so grateful that we haven't changed in exactly the same ways and we haven't changed at exactly the same times, 
but we've gone through so much of it together that we're still very much in it together. And we're we're like we're on the same page. The book is a big book. I mean, you don't the page you know it's not like teetering on a on a on the a, a pinhead that you're trying to like st- to stay on the same page. You don't have to be in you don't have to believe the same thing about everything. You don't have to have the same instincts. You can you don't have to be the same person to to make it last because Chris and I are not the same person. But we've changed in this. It's in a in a, in like a dance. There's a give and take, and there's a there's a listening, and there's a sharing, and there's a. It's undergirded by this commitment, I guess that we are in this together. We are together. We are gonna go through this together and it's gonna, when it's really hard and it, it's really, it, yeah, at times it's really hard. Well, there was this. But um, when you, if you come through it, if you come through each of those things, it makes it, you can go into the next one with that much more confidence. The next marriage? <laughs> the next <laughs> trial. <laughs> if, you, if you can figure out the first marriage, what you did wrong, go to the second one. A lot of people do say that. Uh, I'll do that in my second marriage. Uh, I, 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 want, I want to stay here. I know we're staying with this question, but I, I want to stay here because um, one of the things, I, I don't remember the name of the study. I don't know where this was. Jesse told me about it. Um, but there was some relationship expert slash psychologist who said that they could look at, they basically set couples down and had them communicate with each other on video. Mm-hmm. And this person could watch like 20 seconds of the video. Mm-hmm. And, I, I and, feel like I could do that too. And, and decide and, if they're gonna stay together. And make a very accurate uh, prediction as to whether or not they would be together five years from now. And and I don't, I'm, I'm not getting the numbers exactly right, but it was like an unbelievably short amount of time of seeing them together could make a very predictable, uh, a very reliable prediction about how long they were gonna stay together. What well, what would you look for? Because I feel like I could do that. Well, the pro- here, here's the thing. I know what I would look for. That's what this show, that's one of the things you're doing as you watch this show. And here's, I firmly believe that while you could get into some really like analytical, it's not, it's a vibe. It, it, and, and now it is based, hold on, this is important. Because there are things like, me and Jesse have talked about this lately, we've been like, you know how sometimes like y- you know someone and you get this, you get a vibe from them and you and you can be like, I just, I don't, I think this person is duplicitous or I think that this person, there, there's something off about this person yeah, in their character. And you can kind of sense it, but then you're like, but that feels, that feels judgmental. I'm not basing that on anything other than just a conversation Intuition. I had with them. And me and you uh, have, have noticed this. And there's been a couple of times when like, We've met with someone in like a business capacity, and then we'll come out of a meeting and we'll be like, "I don't get a I don't get a good vibe from that guy," and it and it might be that, and and some but what I have learned is that whatever is happening when I say that to myself is more reliable than the two hour conversation than you that me and you might have afterwards trying to rationalize our way into thinking whether or not somebody is worth working with. And that's what I think this psychologist is picking up on is that 
the human capacity for processing things in a way that you cannot even articulate is way underappreciated by most people. In other words, the vibe that you get from someone is very often reliable. That doesn't mean you're gonna be wrong sometimes, but I'm just saying that I think that we tried to t- we talked about this because there's well, this one the one couple that we don't think I just the look on his face when she says something the look on her face the physical it, the, just the way that they seem to be connecting and then there's another couple that is immediately you're like they they got it they're going to be together a long time I can see the way they interact to me it comes down to I mean if you can and I don't know how long it takes it varies from person to person but if you can tell if somebody's like a genuine good person. You know, but I'm, if I was trying to be specific about my analysis, to me something that would be a telltale sign was like being able to quantify humility. Like if if I could, you know, if 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 I'm listening in on a conversation and it's you could tell that they don't seem like they're ass, they're asserting that they've got it all figured out or that they're the type of person that can say they're sorry. You know, you gotta you gotta be willing to be humble and admit your mistakes to stay in a, in a, in a vibrant relationship. And you know, I think we when you've been married, when we as long as we have, we know we we really know our partners, right? Like I know Christy. I was gonna say inside and out, but then that would have been weird. Right, well, but sort of true. It's totally true, but I didn't mean it in that way, so right. get your mind off the magazines. You dirty-minded little boy. I am just I here, know, I didn't I, say anything. I, like, I mean, we, we know each other. We know everything, we, we, we feel like we could predict what the other person would say or think or interact and what, like we know what the other person is capable of as friends. Like. People think our friendship is so extraordinary for that reason, but it's like, I feel like that's really a requirement for marriage, for a long-lasting marriage is like, people are like, and I guess that's why people say that about our friendship, it's like, because it's not a marriage and people don't invest that much in friendship, but I think you have to have that in a marriage, well, you, and it, but, but it's such a high standard but to I think, really know. But what, but what I'm seeing in these couples is like literally, okay, they just got married. But they're not, I mean, you're. Hold on, but they got, They just got married. And then they, after they get married, the camera follows them as they walk back through everybody. We present to you Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. They walk through everybody and then they go to this little, they all get married at the same place, someplace in Charlotte. And then they have their first date. And then they, no, they're just sitting there talking to each other and there's like a bottle of champagne. Like they do it, all the couples have to do it. And it's just like, I looked at the way that these two people interacted with each other in the first moments of ever meeting and I feel like I can make a reliable prediction and that's not what the psychologist was doing. So I don't think, I, what, I agree with everything that you're saying that the key to like a continuing marriage is this learning about each other, is communicating but I'm talking about compatibility that gives you the right runway to be able to establish those things that you're talking about I feel like it's something that you can just sense in a sixth sense kind of way. Now, there are some people, and this is the case. I think it's unfair to put it on the first time you meet, especially no, 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 on no. television no. after you've gotten married. Because but. there's plenty of, no, I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's 100% right. 
What I'm just saying that there is this, I, you can sense compatibility pretty quickly. But there's lots of people who get married young, did not realize that they weren't. I mean, just because you're the two people, eligible people who get married in your small town in the same year doesn't mean that you're compatible, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's statistics. You just were in the right place at the right time. Then you start trying to figure out, are you actually compatible? And a lot of this, that's where your commitment kind of goes into like, you've got compatibility and you've got commitment, right? And compatibility on its own doesn't, cannot keep a marriage together forever. Commitment on its own can. Like there are people who hate each other, Mm -hmm. but because they don't believe in divorce, they're just gonna be together forever. I think that the beautiful marriages are the ones in which there is a compatibility and that compatibility can grow because you change over time that's coupled with a commitment that then there are these beautiful moments of like, we actually love each other, have a great time with each other, but that's not always gonna happen because I'm a human, you're a human, I'm gonna be an asshole, you're gonna be an asshole. And in those moments, to get through the asshole moments. (laughs) You gotta stay committed. You gotta, that's when you gotta have that commitment in place. I, the only you, thing I'm saying is it's how a commitment to a crazy couple, it was to look at these couples and make a decision I, about I, compatibility. I would, I would add that it's a commitment to a couple of things. It's not just a commitment to staying together. Yeah. I think it's a it's a commitment to being, you know, it's it's the reason why there are vows. It's like you commit to the certain things that you're gonna do. You serve and love the other person, place their needs before your needs, in sickness and in health. Like that sickness thing, That's that can get real tough, right? Yeah. And if, you know, so if, and that's a huge commitment and it's a blind commitment. And for most people mm-hmm. who haven't, you know, cared for someone who's really been sick. Um, so I think it's, it's a commitment to those things that, that, you're, that you're promising, that you're gonna put the, that you're gonna make it work. I'm committed to 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 dancing with you. You know, sometimes the music is gonna suck. Sometimes our legs are gonna be broken. You know, but we're gonna we're we're, we're committed to dancing together through life. Well, and I and, and I, that's that's something that it, it requires constant cooperation and fidelity. Well, and I think that the the thing that is difficult for um, a lot of couples is, and this this should be incorporated in a, into the more traditional vows if it isn't, um, communi- a commitment to communicate, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't, and I think that people have a difficult time, and this can be personality based, but you know how sometimes when you're having a difficult moment with someone who's a friend, any 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 relationship. And sometimes what you have to do is you have to have that meta conversation. You have to talk about the way that you talk to each other. Mm-hmm. You have to be like, you have to sit, some couples get to a place where, oh, we're not really communicating, we're not connecting anymore. And we have lost the ability to talk about the fact that we're not connecting anymore. And I think that that happens in so many relationships, right? It's like if you stop talking about the nature of your connection, it's gonna be very difficult to get the connection back without first addressing that directly. If you're just focused on the 
superficial stuff, the specifics of the current argument that you're in, but you haven't you haven't gotten to the how do you actually connect and how you communicate. Solving this particular problem is not going to be helpful. It's just going to it's going to just kick the can down the road, mm-hmm. you know. And I, and I think that's what what you were getting at earlier with the marriage counseling is like what it helps you having a third party a lot of times. Oh, we can have the uncomfortable conversation that we for some right. reason can't have with just the two of us. Right. You and, break and, through to that and plane. Not just, it's a not different just, plane. Not just premarital, but like marriage therapy. It's yeah. v- it's very good. You know, you're so, sometimes you just have to bring in a third person. And my therapist is my wife's therapist, which is not necessarily advisable uh, across the board, but in our our situation, because a lot of the times what we're doing is we're talking about each other, mm-hmm. is like, well, my therapist has the other side of the story, and then occasionally, if it's if there's like an acute issue, we'll both go in together, uh, and that and that has been that has been helpful. I think knowing that. Most relationships, I'm not gonna say all, there's this entropy, right, of it, okay, you know, this isn't gonna last forever because we're both imperfect people that have, are prone to selfishness and uh, we're, not, we're not the same person. Yeah. And we, you know, there's so many variables, you never know uh, what could be thrown at us as a couple. So then it's, just having this mentality like, okay, if if that's the tendency, then we have to be vigilant about the threats to our relationship from internal and external mm. and just know that, okay, we're gonna, you know, we're, we're gonna identify and we're gonna, we're gonna face these threats head on and not just, because we know that that's, that's what's most likely to happen is that something's gonna come in, something's gonna sneak up on you, and then a, a few months you're like, okay, there's there's a wall that's built up. Hmm. This, is a, this, is a, this is a threat to our marriage long term. It's not just leading to a bad week or yeah. a bad month. Right. I, so I, I, you know, I felt like I had this very heightened commitment. Chrissy's parents are still together. You know, my parents were, in my experience, were never together. Mm-hmm. And so I just, you know, I had this, um, I had this mentality that like I, I was gonna, like I was gonna stay committed, like I wasn't, I, divorce was never an option. And I, I mean, I don't, I haven't reassessed all of that uh, mentality. Um, maybe there's some negative aspects to that, and I think you can lean on that, and it's like and it minimizes the amount of work that goes into it. You just can't say, well, divorce is not an option, like we've already talked about. That's not how you dance. Um, just by saying, well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stand here and I'm, I'm gonna be here. That's not dancing. Well, and I but, think statistically, I, 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 you hear this thrown around, but I mean, I don't know if it's true, I don't know what the latest statistics are, but I always heard when I was in the church that the divorce rate inside and outside of the church is a, is about the same. I don't. I, th- I always found that hard to believe, just because I didn't see as much divorce in the circles that I was in, mm-hmm. because it felt like people were more committed because they did have this uh, sort of ideological underpinning that included divorce is not an option. Um, and I do think that there is a there is a dark side 
to that because a lot of times it ends up being, and I've witnessed this, not not with friends, but just with people that we like knew in church where there would be like, this person is being emotionally, maybe even physically abused. Sure, sure. And yet they're staying in this marriage because they have this ideological co- commitment and that's, you know, or, that's for them or, to or figure for the, out. But, or for the kids or for other reasons. Or, you know. Right, but as it applies to us, I, I, I think that, because I mean, I my parents are still together, Jesse's parents are still together, so I didn't have that same sort of like, well, I'm gonna be different. Uh, but I brought the same mentality that you did to the marriage uh, is, is like. It, it is nice to have it off the table, you know, where it's, you know, where you agree from the beginning, from before the beginning of being married that like divorce under norm, normal circumstances is is not an option. It's not, we're not gonna use it as a relational escape hatch. It's a, it's a last resort. Yeah, and I do think that there is, again, and this is not. When it comes to relational dynamics. I'm not, I'm not judging anybody, or not, and I'm not prescri- prescribing anything. Um, I would have a difficult time, you know, obviously kids change the picture because now you've got, you've, you've got some people mm-hmm. who are gonna be affected, especially if they're kids that you're currently raising there in the house. But if it's a couple that, again, just like married on this show, which this has become an ad for this show unintentionally, but like, okay, if you believe that getting married and getting divorced on a television show is wrong, then I can't argue with that. that I'm not gonna change your mind about that. But if you think that these people came into this on their own volition, then they together made the decision that they weren't compatible. They haven't brought any kids into this yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they make a decision to mutually separate and get divorced, then I'm not gonna be like, well, you have dishonored the institution of marriage by doing that. And I'm also gonna say that if, you know, if it's somebody, uh, everyone has their own reasons for it. Uh, but I think that the the idea that this commit, this is like, this isn't just a serious thing, this is a commitment that through all these potential circumstances that we're gonna stay together because if we don't think like that, we're gonna see a way out and then in the in the in your lowest moments, you will you might go for the door if you've installed the door. Mm-hmm. But if you've never installed the door, you're not going to leave. But you know what? You could decide at a certain point in your relationship together. Hey, let's install the door. If you come to that conclusion as a couple, and you're like, I think that we need to seriously consider that we may not, maybe we're not supposed to be in a relationship with each other. There was a time in my life when I subscribe to an evangelical worldview where I would be like, that's the devil talking. You can't go there, because that's, you. now you're talking about building the escape hatch and you're gonna do it. And I, my, my, my perspective on that has changed. It's like, it's not my role to judge other couples and how they go about yep. that, right? Uh, but I, what I can say from speaking from my own experience is that not building the escape hatch, not putting the door in has been one of the reasons I can point to for being married for 19 years. For me, yeah, and and for me too, yeah. I I do get, you know, I'm I'm sure that there's people in our position who are saying similar things, and then down the road they get divorced. Of course, you know, even that couple that I was making all these assumptions about because they're public and now they're saying they're friends, and you know, it's just that's just me bringing my assumptions to it. I I don't even know their names. Um, what are their names? Let's say them. <laughs> but um. It is, I mean it it does get complicated and I you know I don't 
I do want to make a commitment to not to not judge other people. I mean, because it's like it, who, ha- who have yeah, been or are going through divorce. Clear. I think that's clear because what I hear you and me saying is that if what you have collectively decided to do is this, then there are certain decisions that you can make to help make that reality become a reality, right? That idea become a reality. But but everything that but you've made together er- decide that you want a different reality. Yeah, but, well, because everything that we're that we've said seems to imply that the that the that the high road is to stay married forever. Married forever. And I used to think that. And there is something beautiful about it. I'm not gonna argue with that. Uh, and I do think there is something beautiful about like overcoming adversity and like just the, the nature of commitment. But you know what? There's plenty of examples of people who were in a difficult marriage, and not just necessarily one that they needed to get out of for like safety reasons, but just people who mutually discovered that they wanted something different. And now they're in they're each and other beautiful committed relationships. That's a reality as well. And I'm and and there was a time in my life, again, if you subscribe to a sort of a conservative evangelical worldview, then if you really read certain parts of the Bible in a certain way, then those marriages after divorce are illegitimate marriages. Yeah, and, and, I, I, and I'm glad that I don't have to think that anymore because the observational, you know, my experience is that no, actually, some of those marriages are better and healthier and better for these people and better for the world than the previous marriage. Yeah, how do you? And I'm not going to cancel that marriage because I got some ideological commitment. Yeah, how do you think my mom felt? over the years when like culturally we were in an environment where it was like, you can't, I mean, that's, you failed. Right, you, you've, something you, is wrong with you. Twice, Right. you know, you're in your third marriage now. It's like, um, you failed twice, yeah. you know, and that's that's not what happened. And in many places you're not qualified to be in leadership if, that, if you're in a relationship like that. Like so, you've, you've kind of like, you've got this mark on you and you can never recover. I mean. I think we've said everything through the filter of the through the lens of we we love our wives and they love us and that's that's who I want to I want to be with Christy until I die you know because she'll already be dead no or until she <laughs> dies I mean I just want to cover the bases until one of us dies it's called till til death, death do, do us part. part yeah I don't yeah, want to I don't right. want to start. Like they took care of that a long time dibs ago. on the who right. dies first. Yeah, um, it's not until I or you die. It's till death do us part. Yeah, that makes it. You don't have to think less, about who dies first. Yeah, you just say you, that because you don't want to have to unravel yeah. that. I told Jesse she's younger than me. I'm tall. I'm gonna die first. I mean, that's just I'm just going with the stats. You know, tall people don't live that long. Sorry, so she co- gets very upset when so, I start talking like that. So commitment looks different for her than it does for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like listen. <laughs> If things go as according to just like nature, you're gonna have at least a few years to just find a new man. <laughs> How does that feel? You know. But yeah, I mean, you're she joking hates, now. But she hates when I talk. I, I love joke to joke with her about that. with her about it. Yeah, because she says things like, "Well, if I died, how long would it take you to get married?" And and then <laughs> I say things like, "I don't know if I would get married," and then she gets really mad. Oh, really? Cause she wants you to get married. She don't want you to be a what a philanderer or a playboy or something. I don't know. I and I was like, I just haven't thought about it. 
cross that bridge if we get there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like, I don't know. I'm a different person. I, I, I'm, it's, you know. Well, I think if you're honest, though, I think what you would say. I know what you would say. You'd say, "Well, I've been watching this show. <laughs> I'm going to go on this and, show." And uh, it seems that like- season three of Married at First Sight is everyone is a widow or, or a widow. Ooh, I think I just gave y'all a good idea. Uh, that's going to get real heavy. <laughs> It's the talk about talk about it's crying hard. while you watch it. I know. Now you got to hear hear all the stories yeah, of how their that, spouse died. Like yeah. that's uh, that's a bad idea. I mean, but as a producer, they it, have though. to think about it. <laughs> I'd still They've watch been talking it. about it. Oh yeah. Hopefully, a producer of Married at First Sight is 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 listening in. So we ended up just talking about marriage. You know, we we talked about marriage, but we were really just talking about our marriages. I mean, I talked about those four marriages on that television show as well. I mean, I didn't really get into specifics. Yeah, so is that your recommendation this week? This uh, te- what's the name of the television show? I I oh I no arranged. I'm gonna give and another. Deranged. I'm gonna give another recommendation on top of that. What is the name of the show? It's Married at First Sight. It's on Netflix. I have only, I can only vouch for the most recent season. I don't know what season that is. It might be season two. I'm only four episodes in, but I do have another rec. Okay. Um, that goes back to what we were talking about before, which is some of the things that we continue to be dealing with as a society, uh, for the betterment of our society. And it's a book that I um, am has. I made it a recommendation in my letter to a white man that I wrote, but I'm going to talk about it specifically here. And that is, I'm still here: Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness by Austin Channing Brown. Uh, and this book, I'm just going to read the description here uh, that was made by whoever wrote this particular review, the Hello Sunshine Book Pick, uh, Reese's Book Club. From a leading voice on racial justice, an eye-opening account of growing up black, Christian, and female that exposes how white America, white America's love affair with diversity so often falls short of its ideals. Um, and I know that you started this book as well, yep. but the, the, the general idea of the book is exactly what was just described there, that uh, we can come to this place, and this is something that is happening in the midst of uh, the movement right now, where a bunch of white people can be like, yes, we value diversity, and we and we believe that that is a that is something that should be represented um, in our circles of friends, in our businesses, in in our in society, it, and it, in, in our leadership, in our legislature. It's the right thing to say, and it's an easy thing to say right now. But it's well, and her point is challenging she, to enact. She tells from a very personal perspective what it has been like to be in white spaces as a black woman, in spaces that said that this is what they valued and maybe even thought that this is what they valued but didn't understand what that actually meant. Uh, It's incredibly challenging, it's incredibly eye-opening. I think it actually, I don't know if it was a New York Times bestseller from the beginning or if it has become a New York Times bestseller in the midst of this movement but it is a New York Times bestseller because it's two years old but it is really sort of experiencing this new uh, wave of interest because it speaks so directly to the movement that is happening right now. And I think more importantly, or e- e- you know, even more importantly for a couple of white dudes like us, is asking the question of what does moving beyond valuing diversity to making diversity and inclusivity and sort of deconstructing this you know, white is the norm mentality that a lot of us have without even realizing it. What does it take to break that down? What does it What does it take to move beyond that? Because that's the real, uh, 
work that needs to happen. Uh, it's not just recognizing the, race, the, the racial injustice, it's doing something about it and, and real change. So I'm Still Here by Austin Channing uh, Brown and it is a pretty easy read, so no excuses for not checking this one out. Wherever you check out books, you, or you could just buy the book as well, don't just check it out. <laughs> All right. We'll speak at you again next week, and please, as always, contribute to conversation using hashtag earbiscuits. Yes.